I think that often entrepreneurs have a um, higher tolerance for bullshit than they should from the people in their life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Digital Health Entrepreneurship Show. Uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to watch, um, we're going to watch a video and uh, see what Lawrence thinks about it, and really talk about auditing your circle. Like, how important are the people around us? Because this is being talked about a lot in the business space. Um, so, Lawrence, why don't you go ahead and play this clip, and then we have some questions for you about how you audit your circle. All right, we will now watch Gary V. The infamous entrepreneur. Here we go. I was really, really competitive at first, and then I played you in basketball at PM7 and realized I'm not competitive at all. Okay. Um, and then I had to step up my game. Do you think you get more competitive uh, with the people that are around you, or? Yes. You kind of, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm so proud of you for asking this question. Actually, I really do have, I'm, I'm surprised I'm so excited by this. I have a good piece of advice, actually. Start trimming your friend group and start adding to your friend group predicated on what you want to be. The answer is absolutely, my man. Like, you absolute, I am stunned how much more I am like my wife and how much more she is like me, even though we started at very polar places. It's just true, who you hang out with. Like, there is such a smart hack to like, and it's really the, like that cliche thing, like you are like the byproduct of the people, like all that, that's real. Super real. So maybe this is a good year for you to like kind of audit that first day back, look around, maybe know a friend of a friend, and if you like what you see, go explore it and try to be around it. Because yeah, man, I think that you got more competitive by being around me, and I can tell you right now, I know everybody on my team, they're different. I'll tell you one thing that I can tell you firm about DRock and Nate, for sure, I'll give you those two examples. They're a fuckload more confident they were than they were when they came into my life because my confidence rubbed off on them, straight up. There you have it, Gary V. All right, so one, I think it's funny because that I think the kid next to Gary V kind of looked like you, Lawrence. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I think his name was Jack. But, uh, that's for another day. <laughs> uh, so Lawrence, uh, you're like, what are you thinking about this? And you're like, what are your circle? What's popping up for you about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that in business and entrepreneurship in particular, it's very important. I mean, if you just do a thought exercise and you say, who are the five closest people in my business life, right? And you could do personal if you want to. And think about those five people. I mean, you probably really hate one of them. You know, like I've never met anyone that like really loves the top five people in their business life. I mean, I mean, that's that that's something I admire if you if you've done that, right? Um, just imagine that that fifth person who you really don't like. Imagine if you remove them from your life. You finally say enough. I'm done, right? And then you find someone that's even better than the first person on that list, and you do that every year. I mean, I mean, hopefully all your relationships are good, and you have hundreds of good relationships. But I think that often entrepreneurs have a um, higher tolerance for bullshit than they should from the people in their life. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I view it. Well, what about the idea that the fifth person actually, even though they're a naysayer, even though they don't do what you ask them to do you know, correctly all the time, they can't, you, we kind of need that pushback from, from some of our you know, colleagues, business partners, even our clients, you know, that, 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 you know, that pushback that challenges us, you know, that, 
you know, the opposite of a, of a yes man, so to speak. Well, it's good to have disagreement. Obviously, you want to encourage vigorous debate because that's how you arrive at the best conclusion through vigorous debate, right? But there's a way of debating that's polite, right? Like I think of like our outside law firm, Morgan Lewis, and like this, the partner, Ben Novak, right? Like he would, even if we had the most intense academic disagreement, we would do it in such a respectful way, right? Like a lawyer does it, right? Like, you know, you're not going to call anybody names. You're just going to respectfully disagree. You're not going to talk over each other. But it's kind of called the no asshole rule. There's a book about it. You know, you're supposed to have no assholes in the company, zero, right? And so what does that mean? Well, it's that, it's that rock star person that on paper, like they're generating a lot of sales. They're a good engineer, right? And so like on paper, it kind of like looks good. And you think that like, well, you find all these ways to justify why they get paid this large amount of money. But at the end of the day, you don't realize that there's a qualitative cost, which is that it's sapping the energy from everybody else, right? And so that's the problem with assholes. Okay, so on like a super practical, like that sounds really good in theory to have no assholes in your company. But um, it, like, has that been true for your companies? I don't, I don't want you to, you know, list all the people you don't like in your company now. But is that uh, easier to talk about than to actually do? They know who they are and they've been in the company for way too long. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult because often in an early stage startup, you, you, you really need them or it would be difficult to switch. And so one of the mental blocks you have is like, there's a switching cost. Like, can I really find someone to do what they do? And the answer is almost always yes, right? Because what is the startup? It's people doing business, engineering, legal, finance. And there's thousands of people that can do those roles, right? So I think it requires some maturity and growing up as an entrepreneur to, to realize that. Um, and I have done that on several occasions where I have removed, I would say, you know, a couple people that have been in my top five. And I'm so happy that I did that because it was night and day, like a 100 fold improvement in the company. Right. Yeah. Have you been good at firing or has firing people been hard for you? I mean, it's hard for me just because I like helping people, right? So I want to, I feel I always overpay people compared to the market, which is fine, right? It, it gives loyalty, right? A lot of people leave our competitors because, um, you know, they're not getting paid enough. And so I think that it's fine to like overpay people slightly, but um, they have to deliver at the end of the day to the culture, but also to, um, you know, obviously whatever their job description is. So, you know, they always say, um, slow to hire, quick to fire is what you want. And it's not really what I do. And in some sense, I think like people like that loyalty in me. But I think also it's sometimes my downfall as well. So something I'm, I'm working on also. Are you also working on your hiring process? I know Fruit Street's been hiring, you know, like, uh, like crazy at the moment. You know, like bring on this person, that person. It's been you know, phenomenally exciting. But you know, it might be a bit considered to be a bit reckless how quickly it's happening. You know, like, you know, tell us about the, the hiring process. That you're thinking one about. strategy you can use there is to just, you know, make everyone a consultant to start with. Then you have like a trial period. And with most of the people that we made consultants, it worked out, you know, quite well. We plan to hire them full time. Uh, but one person decided to, to, to quit and not be full time. And that was maybe for, you know, personal reasons or other reasons that don't necessarily have to do with the company. But, you know, there was also some conflict there um, as well where it just became obvious that it wasn't going to be a fit. And it's not just for 
for the company, it's for that other person too, right? I mean, sometimes somebody's working at a full-time job and maybe they can be an advisor and you can get to know them and you can spend 10 or 20 or 30 hours with them as a consultant before you hire them full-time. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs make this mistake of putting everybody at W2 as fast as possible rather than making them a consultant first. Yeah, I've, I've talked to many, many business owners that have described situations where they wish that they would have given like a simple 90 day probationary period. So that at the end of like 90 days or 30 days or whatever you determine that, uh, you just have like, you have legal permission to say, Hey, this just isn't going to work. Like, and you don't necessarily need to have reasons, but you can kind of trust your gut in that. But I think that trial period can be really, really helpful in identifying who might be toxic and who might be helpful for your culture. Uh, well, I'll ask you guys a question. Um, how do you think businesses should balance this mix of, you know, like this specific employee and they have this personality and you almost have a personal relationship with them versus, well, do we need that job title or not? Not even thinking about who the person is. There's different ways of thinking about companies. It's hmm. a difficult question. I've been thinking about yeah, discretionary effort, like in terms of like working with people who I enjoy working with versus like experts or the people who are phenomenal at their, at their job. I keep thinking about this discretionary effort. Like how do we get A players to work on you know, my teams and so forth that you know, they provide all this extra effort that isn't necessarily asked for or demanded. It's just, they, they're just naturally inclined to you know, just do these extra things like and be really awesome. Like, so Seth and I have known each other for, you know, for years, for instance, but it's just not that friendship that uh, solidifies our, our working relationship. It just goes so much more. Uh, but I don't know how to answer your question about that, that, that job title. What you said, can you say that again? It's the idea that the job title, that's something. About hiring someone or firing them, do you, do you take into account your personal relationship with them or do you, or do you just be really, you know, throw? Yeah. I have, a great, I have a great difficulty with that. Um, yeah. What's your idea, Seth? I just think, I think it's, at least for me, I think it's almost impossible to truly remove the personal, like completely remove the personal relationship. That might be different 10 years down the road in my professional career. I might be better at that talent, but I think it's incredibly difficult to truly remove the personal relationship, which is why... Um, I'm like, I'm hiring, I'm in the process of hiring somebody right now for my marketing company. And I've had several people that, uh, want the job that are very close to me that I like know. And, um, right now I feel like I need to hire somebody that's like coming in from outside the circle. Cause I want a third, I want a new perspective. I want somebody like I've realized before when I've hired friends or people I know really well that, um, my ability to like not be as organized with them or, you know, to be a little lazier because I know there's more grace in the friendship has been way higher with people close to me. So it's, it's a weird balance. Um, I love working with friends and stuff, but also I think there's value in truly hiring for the position and knowing like work is work, but uh, I don't know. It's so, it's so blurry. Well, a related topic is relationships in the workplace. So for instance, you know, I've done editing gigs for my wife and her organization. Does anyone on this call have uh, any relationships in their current company, perhaps? Oh, it's funny. much <laughs> about my life. Um, yes, my wife is a marketing officer, and it generally works out quite well, although it doesn't always work out that well. 
Um, but um, I think it can work. There's actually examples of, uh, I think Eventbrite, that was a couple who had an IPO. There's several um, examples of couples starting companies and having IPOs together. Uh, I think that, you know, you can, um, I mean, in some ways it's nice because you get to spend, you know, all day with the person that you love, but also you have to be careful to mix, right. you know, emotions on both sides. And I have to remind my wife that, you know, I do make the business decisions at the end of the day, but um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's uh, challenging, but I think uh, it can be quite successful, especially yeah. if you're married already. I think being married is a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I don't, I, I've, uh, kept things separate. I mean, my, my wife has a small business she does and stuff too. And so I think that it's, it's probably more helpful for us. I think that it, again, maybe I'll be, be I'd be better at it down the road, but I think I'd have a hard time. Um, I don't think we'd be that good at working together on a daily basis right now, but she is, uh, she's much more cutthroat than me. So she, I often bring ideas to her, um, or I'm talking about ideas and she brings her opinion to me, whether it's wanted or unwanted. And it's always really good advice. So yeah, well, I mean, also my wife has 10 years of digital marketing experience. So she actually, uh, on paper, would have been hired anyway. But yeah, here's an idea. If I, um, how do we rank and rate like business associates? Like, so we talked about this like five people. So, for instance, I could do it with my personal friends in the hypothetical. You know, if my dad died today, you know, who would I you know, call and you know, cry about my dad's death? It's a pretty intense example, but business wise, um, how do we rank and rate? Let's be playful about this. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a serious topic, but let's you know, just be playful. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a combination of actually productivity, right? So I give this an engineer, how good are they, right? Are they producing a lot of bugs? Are they doing their work? Are they delivering things on time? And then it's the culture as well. And I think the third thing is communication. I mean, I have some people where they're like very nice people. When you talk to them through video chat, they're pretty good at, you know, at their job but they just don't respond to emails in a timely fashion. And it just really is not good. I mean, I think communication is a way to show respect to people and responding in a timely fashion is pretty critical to show respect. So in terms of digital you know, health entrepreneurs, I, I get this feeling that the response for emails like, is, is really crucial for you, like a little bit more than other people. So can you talk about that? Like, like let's just get real. Like, why does that piss you off that people don't respond? And why is it so important that you respond quickly? That's not a gotcha question. I want this to be, you know, funny. You know, they, read it. they read it. Everybody reads their email. Why did you read my email, but you didn't respond? At least yeah. you're busy and you're going to respond in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I have a question about that, like pushing back on it a little bit. So I've been increasingly trying to set more boundaries around like digital tools and stuff for my life. So, um, I will, uh, I'll kind of like, I'll check my email several times a day. I've set times a day that I check my email at, but, uh, what about people that like, you, they check their email once a day and they don't want to be checking it all the time. They don't want to be responding immediately and stuff, but they're once still on top of it. Right? So once a day is fine, but you can't let three days go by. Like, what is that? Yeah. You know? So Lawrence, let's bring it to a close. It's the, this, this has been great. So, one more question. How important is it to really enjoy you know, working with the people that you work with? Very important. Um, I mean, I think about certain people in the company where I look forward to every single conversation with them because they're, you know, they're so polite. They're so insightful. I really like working with them. And then there's other people where you just, you just kind of wonder, right? Um, so I think it's critical. Um, 
because it just motivates you, right? You want to like work hard for that other person. I mean, if you don't have a good corporate culture and like there's people that don't like each other, it just becomes, you know, you don't, you're not really motivated. It would be like if you're on a sports team, you didn't like the people on the sports team. Why would you go, you know, jog five miles? But like when you have that like camaraderie, you know, of course I'm going to go jog 10 miles, right? And so I think that it's very, very, very critical. And I think too often people look at like this person's resume, what did this person do? Rather than how do they contribute to the overall company culture. All right, this has been fantastic. Thanks, thanks, Lawrence. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Digital Health Entrepreneurship with Lawrence Gerard. If you haven't already, take a look at some of our other episodes and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. We will see you tomorrow on Digital Health Entrepreneurship.